Welcome to What's the Revolution? The show for men and the people who love it. We discuss how men can embrace and understand a healthier masculinity. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. Out of the night that covers me, black as a pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the failed clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged the punishment with the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Invictus, William Ernest Henley. I learned this poem 26 years ago as my love affair with Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated began to flourish. The reality was this poem was, as well as Rudyard Kipling's If and Edgar Albert Guest's See It Through, they were not just fodder for the Big Brother's entertainment. They would become the training manuals for the rest of mine and our lives. You see, our Big Brothers and their Big Brothers before them knew that the struggles faced while marching into Omega were a mere shadow of the challenges that we, were, we would face as men, and especially as men of color. That it would take a strong belief in our third cardinal principle, perseverance. That we needed to be resilient in the face of adversity. As we look to find the healthiest version of ourselves, being resilient is a must. We will face struggles that will test our faith, faith challenge our resolve, and place us at the brink of our existence. But if we can find a way to sit in that discomfort, there's an opportunity for us to grow. Today, it is my pleasure to discuss the concept of resiliency, as well as how we can find ways to raise our bar. And he'll say, raise your bar. I have my good friend, man, and partner, man, my good friend and partner, Patrick Young, senior core trainer at Strive NOLA, public speaker extraordinaire, motivator to the stars. My man, Patrick, thank you for being on the show, brother. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you. What's going on with you, man? I work, man. Just uh, excited, man. Just left for graduation. Uh, Langston Hughes. Yeah. Tell me about that, brother. Uh, there was a fourth grade commencement. And just really excited to see those kids advance. Uh, and, you know, being able to relate. So we talked about what I did in fourth grade, which was Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that, brother. And so trying to relate uh, Donkey Kong, you start off in this game, but you start off at the bottom. And the objective of the game is for you to rise to the top in spite of the challenges and obstacles that you're faced with in this game. And so you may not win the game on the first try, but you improve your level. So to, you know, surpass that uh, message to those kids that, yes, you've moved to another level, mm. right? You haven't graduated all your academic affairs. You still have to go to school next year. But today, celebrate that you've moved to another level. Yeah, and that's what we got to do, man. We have to celebrate each phase. Um, and I was told that 
interesting story uh, as I was moving up the ranks of academia. You know, and we have to put in grants, we have to apply for different things. The term was celebrate the process because you never know if success is actually going to come. The outcome is the outcome that you're looking for is actually going to come about. But you have to celebrate the, the finishing of that grant application or the, the finishing of the paper. You know, celebrate the process. And for them, as that's what you're saying, celebrate the process, but understand that the process continues. Right. In, in, but to be able to relate to something as simple as, you say Donkey Kong, these kids love gaming. And today, we also talk about um, place value and place value and understanding in math that you have your ones, your tens, your hundreds in that column. But as you increase your place, you also increase your value. Right. So as you move from this place, your value is going to increase as well. And so just being able to understand that, what you're saying. But just to give these kids an idea that this place and what they're in, right, they're moving to a different place. But that value is so important that they're celebrated today and each and every day for the accomplishments that they're making. So, And that's what our kids need, Patrick. They, they need to understand that we can celebrate them that we can love them, that we can stand up in front of them and say, look, you're rising, and we're going to talk about that in a few right, moments, right. that you're, you're rising. Um, we, don't, we aren't often told that, that, that we can rise, that we can find spaces for us to increase, increase our wealth, increase our knowledge. You know? And I'm going to hope today that some of the conversations that you and I had and some of those little anecdotal, those anecdotal conversations that I – that I take away from you, I feel motivated myself that you'll drop some dimes for the rest of the audience. But the ability to increase, even at a young age, is so important. Um, you know, I, I love having these conversations with you, Patrick, because, you know, we get to play off each other. And so I, I spoke the other day to a group of middle schoolers in Virginia Beach uh, Public Schools as they were preparing for their SOLs, their standardized tests. And... It was really about celebrating because the school had, has not been accredited. Okay. And so this was the first year my good friend Camille Harmon, hopefully she's listening today, uh, and hopefully they were able to get accredita accreditation. But for her, it was a revolution. You know, and we talk about your signature. Your signature. I'm, I don't want to spoil it yet, but we, we talk about what's your revolution. And for her, the revolution was getting her kids in that space. So moving back, they had to be able to increase they had to rise, right? And right. so the revolution for them was their ability to rise. And so we have to be able to instill that on our kids, that you have the ability to rise. Right. And so that, that leads me into, well, why is Patrick Young on my show? You know, <laughs> everybody's asking, well, who is Patrick Young, man? Who is this guy? If you don't know Patrick Young right now, by the end of the show, you're going to be like, look, I need to get in touch with that brother. So... I'm not going to ask you the signature question first, right? Okay. All right? I actually, I'm going to leave it for the end because I really want you to tell the folks what that is. But who is Patrick Young? What's your story? Oh, and why, why is it so compelling that people need to hear it? Uh, my story, man, is uh, I'm a story of New Orleans. Uh, my grandmother stayed not too far from here. There's New Orleans, I grew up in there, played ball in Stalin. And, um but for me, man, it's just growing up in New Orleans, um, loving the culture, loving the, um, the city, the excitement of it. Um, I, I, I was able to see so many different things. You know, my mom was in the Marines. Uh, after she uh, got out, she started working. Um, three brothers. 
growing up, and then we moved from uh, the Seven Ward to the East. And so in that, you really learn a lot about um, who you are and identity. Um, I always tell people, so growing up, I was the kid that when family would come over, they would do like Michael Jackson. Right? <laughs> I was, the, I was uh, Patrick, do Michael Jackson, you, right? You would do Michael Jackson, right? So yes. you know we got some Facebook Facebook Live. You going to kick it for us? Not right now. Right? <laughs> but, okay, brother. I'm telling you what. One thing I learned about doing Michael Jackson was that um, it's hard being somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of practice. You know, no matter how many times I watched the video or tried to practice the move, right, I still wasn't Michael Jackson. And so growing up, I grew up almost, I want to say, the middle child. I had an older brother who was in the military, another brother who was really into sports and stuff like that. And then there was me. And then I had a younger brother. And so trying to find where did I fit in. So I was the one that went to... The good school. I went to um, McMain. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Got into the good school aspect, right. right? And so being able to try to fit in and try to find your identity without a father, right, was just a, a, a big piece for me. Um, but then after I graduated high school, um, my brother was murdered. Well, let me rewind. Before that, though, I'm, 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 uh, my high school girlfriend, we had a child. And so forced to step up to the place immediately, become responsible and stuff like that. Also, in the midst of that, my brother gets murdered. And uh, that was a horrible piece for me because he was shot eight times in the head. You know, and I'm just having that piece to deal with that, it was just, um, there was no really no one you really could talk to to say, you know what, I feel that pain. Right. And then, so for me, I, instead of going into, a, um, like I say, a rising place, I went to a dark space. Right. Right. Tell um, me about that dark space. So the dark space is that um, not only do you not know who you are, you identify with everything that you know you're not. Mm. And so um, anything negative or anything, type of attention, anything that would devalue me, whether it was um, drinking or just hanging out or being disruptive, um, I was acting out in a way of not knowing how to show the emotion of hurt. So, and that's something, you know, I, that that is something that is that is something that we've talked about at length on the show that not being able to externalize or internalize our pain. We externalize that. Like you said, the drinking, the 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 the, the dark the dark places. We experience pain. That is human. But how we show that pain and deal with that pain and cope with that pain varies across the right, board. Right, and, right. For, and for men, I'm glad you said that. For men, we struggle so much. So what else happened? You're in that dark place. In that dark space, you find darkness. <laughs> right? And so uh, I just suffocated in it until a point to where um, in 1998, I could say I was uh, convicted of uh, armed robbery. Uh, the judge at that time, you know, seeing that I was a, a college student and had no priors, decided that, you know, 65 years would be uh, a good sentence. And what? And you know, having that 65 65 years reduced to 15 years, um, and I served 13 years and nine months in Department of Corrections. I was released in 2012, and now um, each and every day is just really about um, just helping people as many as I can, just to try to avoid that space right. but find that better place. No, brother. You know, just hearing that, 
just, just, just hearing it. And I appreciate, as we talk about on the show, I appreciate your vulnerability and putting that out there. You know, first going to say, you know what, I was in a dark space. You know, I, I had this happen to me. Right. My brother shot, right? I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this. I'm going down a dark path, right? And, and it led me to this space. 13 years is a long time. Don't forget my nine months. It was 13 <laughs> and nine months. 13, <laughs> 13 years and nine months. Um, what was that experience like, man? <laughs> I mean, brother, you, you, you say what you want to say. You know what I'm saying? But there are people out there, because once we once we unpack this, they're going to say, well, how did he get to this space where he is now? So right. I, I think they need to hear, what was that like for you? So. So I, I, when I talk about prison, I, I think that I want to give a, a visual of exactly um, what you experience, right? Sometimes we watch these movies and they really um, they they skip some pieces I feel are important. One thing is the intake process. So when you go to prison, you're transferred from a jail. From the jail, you go to uh, um, the medium, well, the the transferring site prison, which was Hunts at the time. And you're stripped of everything. Hair is cut. All right, you're forced to um, strip, and they um, they really examine you from from top to bottom, medical, mental health, education, and they decide where you're going to be placed at that moment. Now, if you're from uh, New Orleans, you're going to go to a certain institution. If you're from a, another city, you're going to go. You know, based on your geographical location. But one of the things I found out is they do all this intense um, investigation of you, prior inspection of you prior to prison, but then you can get released at any time. So there's no evaluation on what the effects of being in there has done to you. Right. So that is a, a critical piece because mentally you have to adjust to taking a shower with six men, right, in the same place that you take a shower, someone may be on a, uh, using a toilet or urinal, uh, you're sleeping in a dorm with 88 other personalities, right? You're housed on a unit with another 160-odd individuals, and each day you're forced to do what's told of you without no question. You just have to respond with a, a yes, sir, and a number. And so um, mentally, it's, it becomes a uh, just a different world experience. Uh, what do you mean? I mean, m mentally, how how are you in this space? I mean, what what is the mentality? So think, of, what is the mentality as you got fully immersed? So you're in there the first couple of years. What's the mentality then? It's violent. So um, you're you're attacked on every level. Uh, one of the things um, your your identity is attacked. Your manhood is attacked where you're from, you know, you could just be from New Orleans. You're attacked if you're not from the West Bank or from Baton Rouge. Um, your education is attacked if you're too smart. Um, your time is attacked if you're too short or if you have too much time. You're attacked if you have family that come visit you, people that show they love wow. you. You're attacked, <laughs> you know, so you're constantly trying to defend who you are and prove to people who you are. And in your mind, you just want to survive. So it's that... You've got to escalate now in, the, in, the, in those first couple of years. You've got to escalate. And as you said earlier, 
It's hard to become somebody that you're not. Exactly. You said that. Right. It's hard to become – but in that space, you've got to become someone – I'm going to assume you've got to become someone that you're not to be to protect yourself. So I, I tell people, again, going back to my Michael Jackson analogy, you know, ever since Mike made Thriller, we've learned that we could change into something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm going through the video. I'm like, yeah, right. you're right. You're right. Yeah, you know, you got it. And you have to prove, hey, I'm not like other guys. Right? I'm there's this beast. That I'm not it, Michael Jackson. Right. There's this beast that it, that because the nice guy is is hard to survive in that place. And so, um, and I think that what it is though, and what I found is that we just there's no value piece that you you uh, you reduce your value because of the place, which I mentioned earlier about the school. Um, because there's no value in that place, you find no value in yourself, and you find no value in anyone else. Right. So you can't because if you do, that's a weakness. Right. So the destruction of it, it comes easy. Wow. Wow. You listen to WBOK 12:30 a.m. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. Having a, an, an engaging and insightful conversation with my man Patrick Young, as he details. What it's like to be incarcerated. What it, what it's like to have, particularly during those first couple of years, when you've got to change, you've got to shift, you've got to, you know, transform. Because you know we've we've talked about we've been talking right. in, in our conversation. You have to be a transformer. You, you become. So let's let's move forward a little bit in this timeline. So you're in it's seven, eight, year nine. What's it like then? Oh, at this time, uh, see, at this time, I could see daylight. You know, when you start, um, when you get to like five years left on your sentence, you consider that short. Wow, (laughs) you consider that short. Yeah, I'm short time. I don't have no time left in comparison to the guy I'm sleeping next to who has like 90 years. You know, what's five years compared to 90, right? So, um, but for me, uh, I think my breakthrough moment in prison was like 2003. I spent the entire year um, on lockdown, extended lockdown. And, I mean, there was no going out, no visits, you know, so you're just in the cell all day, 23 and 1. And so, um, for me, I read this book called The Count of the Monte Cristo. Yeah. And um, and in that book, um, the guy, is, he's, he's in this uh, prison, and he's trying to, you know, figure it all out. Same way I was. And one thing he came up to himself was that... Um, in order for you to appreciate life, you have to touch that, right? In order for you really to know happiness, you have to taste grief. And <laughs> this, this wisdom that we find is that all through, you know, the wisdom is in waiting and hoping, right? And so I figured out that when my brother passed, right, I, I lost hope. Right. And I, I didn't find anything to wait for, anything to search for, right? That's where the darkness was. But anytime you see hope, you see light. And that was the light that would bring you out the darkness. And so for me, that was the breaking point was where I began to find hope, not in other things or other places, but in myself. Right. Yeah. So and you think about that. We had hope. We had hope for eight years. Right. We've fallen into darkness. <laughs> we, we've fallen into darkness. You know, we're going to go to the to the telephone for one second. But just think about that, audience. The wisdom is the wisdom and the light is in hope. Without hope, you're in darkness. Wow. Think about that. 
Ronald, welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, man. How you doing, brother? You're probably going to choke me when I say this. He has been my hope and light in this city for the last past year. Sir, I've been volunteering in the community with different organizations to get our young men in different job training programs and just talk to somebody that's been down that road where you're speaking about now. And every time I have called Mr. Young, I know I don't pay him and he don't get paid enough for it, but I have called him and he's answered the call. And I can guarantee you, we close to about 15 to 1,600 young men mm. and young ladies that has, if it wasn't for him, I'm talking about no hope. If he would not have answered me and the organization I've been with, it was no hope. But disclaimer, he's not my son. I don't have a contract <laughs> with him. We're not related. I'm not trying to get a job or none of that. But sir, with all due respect, I've been volunteering in the community for 30 years. And Mr. Young has been a great a breath of fresh air and a real hope. And I mean, I could tell you some situations where kids got out of jail, young men, their families nowhere to go, nothing to do, not a clue. And Mr. Young even answered me in Hawaii on his vacation. Wow. But, and I just <laughs> want to tell him publicly, sir, thank you very much. You know what it is. You know <laughs> you know the voice. And I want to tell your family, thank you for allowing me to call you at the wee hours of the morning and early in the morning on weekends and all that. And you answered me. And, and you have helped me a great deal with our folks in our community. And I don't have the words to express to you to tell you how much we appreciate your services. And I know you do it from the heart. You don't pay you enough money for it. And thank you again, Pastor. And when you say you change, I know a lot of folks have been changed on your effort. And thank you again, brother. Keep up the good work. And I got a call coming for you for next week. Cause I got two coming your way. All right, send them to me. Thank hey, you man. Again, Pastor. Ronald, we appreciate you, man. Thank I you, brother. Thank you, brother. All, All right. right. As he said, man, you, th- you think about that. You, you, you think about that hope. You're lying in bed. You're reading the the Count of Monte Cristo. You you figure out that I've got I've got short time, but I can't go out like this. I can't go out because I, I'm going to hypothesize that I got in here because I didn't have any hope. Right. Right. Like you said, it, it was dark, and there are many of our young brothers who are in that dark spaces. Right. Sitting in those dark rooms, in the dark spaces of your mind, whether it be mentally or physically. But here's the trap. A lot of times people think that um, it's the person that's incarcerated and it's the, the prison that keeps you in the dark space. You were in a dark space even before you got here. Yeah. And so that's what the thing that in, sometimes you still leave in a dark space and you return back to prison because that light has never come on. And so that's the thing sometimes is that it hasn't, it hasn't hit that switch. Um, I want you to uh, think about this word more. Say more. More. Say more. More. All right. I don't want you to hit you more. With this. I want you to hit you. And more just basically means much uh, extra, right? But from an acronym perspective, all right? <laughs> I'm about to hit you with yeah, it. Yeah, right? do that. So more that. for me is um, maximum opportunity requires elevation. And I'll say it again, right? Maximize opportunity requires elevation. A lot of times we want we want more, we expect more, but that opportunity isn't going to come at the level we're on. We have to raise ourselves. We have to raise, we have to elevate if in order for us to do more, to get more, right? Because we are the more. And the more is here. Yeah, we are the more. So for me to get out of my situation, I had to do more. So immediately um, started teaching. I became a college um, prep instructor, taught GED. Um, got a welding diploma, culinary diploma, started teaching sign language, um, 
became the first inmate to ever serve on the Louisiana State Board of the JCs. Like, so there was so much, but it required me to do more each and every day. And from that more, that's where that raise your bar thing Ooh, is coming man, from. Don't spoil because, it. Don't, uh, don't, 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 <laughs> don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Raise your bar. Right. You had to think about it. You had to think about that, that process more, right? Raising your bar. So as you as you said, you created you created your revolution sitting there. Right. You began to do something for someone else, and that's what the revolution is. Right. The revolution begins in here. I can't raise my bar if I haven't begun to change myself. You know, I can't show people. You know, and so as you were getting out, yeah. as you were getting out, what was that like for you? Let me tell you the part about getting out, right? So I was at a the work release in Lake Charles, right? and I get a letter like a week before it's time for me to be released, and it says you have to serve three more days, right? Just imagine that, right? <laughs> you have to serve three oh, more man. days, right? And um, in my mind, I'm like, no. Just, but then... Uh, let me tell you about the significance of the day. So I was released on April 1st, 2012. April 1st is my brother's birthday. Mm. And I'm not a religious thing, but I had to serve three more days inside and was released on the day my brother would give life, right? So this resurrection, and then it was a week before Easter, right? And so it was a Palm Sunday, actually. And then I came out and like the very next week, I was able to go to... Easter Sunday with my mom, right? But all those signs and all those things, right? It didn't happen by accident, right? And so um, that release coming out was like, and the question you asked is, what you going to do now? Yeah. And I knew that I had to do more. So it required me to elevate. Man, it's a story of redemption, right? It, it It is a story of redemption. And I think about what you just said, April the 1st. Right. You know, and, and, and for my listeners who are, who are in the word or in the spiritual life, that, that's a significance. God was giving you, opening the door, but allowing you to say, this is your time. Right. You can walk into the light or you can walk back into the darkness. You, you can walk back into the darkness. And we're going to talk about as we come back from the break, as we come back from the break, what that meant for you. You know what I'm saying? What that redemption looked like. Stay tuned, everybody. We're going to talk about how to raise your bar.
comment on topics and information heard on WBOK 1230 AM, text 318-599-WBOK. That's 318-599-9265. Lock it in your phone, and when you have something that needs to be heard, just text it. Some text will actually be read on air. Another way to tell us at WBOK exactly how you're feeling. And please, no profanity. The WBOK Vent Line, 318-599-WBOK. Now you can text where it's real talk for real times. Catch OT in the morning, Chuck Perkins at 9, Eileen at 11, John Slade at noon, Rachel at 4, and me, Cheryl Underwood, along with the Cheryl Underwood Radio crew, Vic Frost, Harry Sutherland, Jim Kelly, and Kyle Irby. Every night at 7 on the People's Station, WBOK 1230 AM, where it's real talk for real times. If someone asks, tell them you listen to the People's Station, WBOK 1230 AM and WBOK1230AM.com, where it's real talk for real time. Welcome back to the Wetzer Revolution Show. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. Having a wonderful conversation, man. Great, insightful, thoughtful, thought-provoking conversation with my man, Patrick Young. As he details his story, man, and really a, a story of redemption. But as we went to break, brother, I wanted to ask this question because you, you, you started to talk about, you know, once you entered prison. And, and you detailed the timeline, but I felt like there was this stripping down of masculinity and then almost a new creation there. As we talked about, you, you're becoming someone else what is that what does that look like that stripping down of masculinity and then becoming something new in in prison um i think it begins first with uh you get branded with a number i think that you you transform from a, a person to a, it you represent uh just your number right and then um there's a process of um being naked mm. and having to be searched and so you have to, you know, raise your arms, open your mouth, turn your head to the right. Then they ask you to turn around, bend over, squat, and cough. You have to do this pretty much anytime you walk inside and out the gate. If you go to visit, right, there's this constant thing of um, it's a violation in a sense because you have to expose every area of yourself to someone else, right? And so jokes are made, comments are made, and you just have to act like it, it doesn't exist. Again, the same thing as if um, just there's no privacy. There's no, um, like you being in the shower again, you being just, you move along. And then when they ask you anything, you have to say first, what's your number? First your number. Number first. Before, before anything. What's, where's your ID inmate? Right. And so that who you are. Gone. It's gone. And so you then, so What's funny is that in prison, no one uses their real name, right? That's that's why they say don't use my government, <laughs> right? Right. And you you have this alternative uh, persona that, and then it's either based on some type of characteristic or it's based upon where you're from. So if you're from the West Bank, you might be West Bank. If you're from Baton Rouge, you're Baton Rouge. Many people from New York, 
you're New York or something like that. So L.A. is L.A., right? And so, but if you're from L.A., then you have to be L.A. Right. So anything going on in Compton, that's your work. <laughs> <laughs> but you, So you have to so, make it a part of who you are. Yeah, you have you to transform. You transform into that. So if you're... If your name is soldier, then you have to be a soldier. Right. If you're a beast, right, you have to be beast. If you killer, you gotta be killer. You can't be anything else. Nah, you, there's no one uh, really walking around the institution whose name is kindness. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Come on, man. Like kindness. Hey, is, kindness. How you right, doing? Right. Yeah. yeah. Kind, no. You know caring. Caring doesn't. Nah. There's. Mm-hmm. No, that's you not know, your nickname. Happy. Ah. Uh, so my man Happy Johnson, you know, you know Happy Johnson. Nah, Happy would it mean? And then so again, if you do have a nice nickname, then it's a um, a sexual stereotypical thing that you must be gay or you must like men or something right. like that. So still, still considered in in the prison life right. a, a stripping down. Right. So if you're precious, then we right. <laughs> Still, still a demasculation, demasculation immediately, 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 precious. immediately. right? You're a man in jail, but they calling you precious. Right. right. So from the start, you have to exhibit this hyper masculinity to funny. survive. It's my first fight uh, was uh, a guy offered me a snicker. <laughs> wow. Right. This, this is it. And this is like he had a bag full of all kind of different candies. He had uh, Cheerios, chips, and everything and stuff like that. But for him to play with me in front of everybody and put the Snicker bar, like, close to my mouth, like, man, you hungry, you want a Snicker, right then and there, it was just... So you got to, yeah. you, you got to quote-unquote man up. Not me. Yeah. Not me. You could try somebody else, not me. So it's a challenging space, you know, it, not even, I don't, challenging is not the right word. But you're attacked from all sides. Right. Because you're going to be attacked from inmates, you're going to be attacked from security, you're going to be attacked from... Um, even friends and families. And then you're going to attack yourself for even being in the situation. So you're about to get out. And you've had to deal with this. And there are going to be people who are going to say, well, you know, he got himself into this situation. There are going to be people that I say, own it. You, own it. You're about to get out. We talked about that. You, you have begun this concept of I'm going to elevate, right? right? You get out April 1st. It is, it is the anniversary of your brother. Right. It is a story now. You can begin this process of redemption. Right. But those last couple of days, those last couple of weeks, man, you had to be really thinking about what's going to happen to me once I get out. What were those thoughts like for you? So it goes back to the beginning. Um, I started off trying to be something that I wasn't. I started off trying to be, whether it was Michael Jackson and then going into karate, blue line, trying to be this person and then wanting to grow up and be my brother um, again. I think it's not having a father played a part in not knowing who I was as far as my identity. Mm-hmm. And so there was no, um, you know, there was no Lion King moment where somebody would hold, hold me you up, up. <laughs> and say, this is where you're from and this is what you belong. And so you had to find it on my own. And so I went through that that place and instead of trying to find it to be a Michael Jackson or a killer or a soldier or anything like that, I found Patrick Young. Mm-hmm. And this he is was the there thing. all the time. Right. But this is the thing. Once you know who you are, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Your work speaks for itself. And your worth, you know that. You build that. Yeah. 
I know who I am. But it, that takes a long time for some people. It's 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're right. laughing about it, but right. you know what I'm saying? And, and, but you, and it's just, you it know, takes a lifetime sometimes. Doesn't, so there's very few mirrors in prison. There's very few mirrors. And then and even if you want a mirror, you have to buy a mirror. You have to pay to look at yourself. Mm. Right. And then you may be labeled because you want to look at yourself. <laughs> Right, but the thing about it is is that um, when you see yourself, do you see the image that you're portraying or do you see the person who you really are? Right. Right, and so for me, I didn't want people or anyone else just to see, oh, oh, he had all this potential and he was great, he was on the right path, and here he is now from prison and everything like that. Oh, he had so much going for himself. Boom, boom. Right. <laughs> As Drake said, Here's your opportunity. You started from the bottom. Right. Now we're here. So you get to this you you get to this mantra, this model, this this life affirming, this call to action. Right, it's the call to action. Definitely. <laughs> Boom. That's it. This call to action. Raise your bar. And I've been I've been like holding that back the entire show, right? right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You this call to action for people to raise their bar. What what was the catalyst for that? Basically, um, I'm a fan of sports. Right? One of them, I love Olympic games. You think about the high bar, and um, the at the the simple of the high bar is that um, if, if we're competing, right, the bar is set, and then uh, you jump the bar, and in order for me to win, I have to jump higher than you, right, and so then. Many times we're competing with other people trying to look at the bar as what they're doing and what I want to do better than this person, want to do better than that person. But if we self-reflect, the bar, how high or how low, is based on how you send it. You're being a personal pronoun, a uh, personal thing. Um, you have to decide on where your bar is going to start, right? And then you have to raise that every day to elevate, to go higher in order for you to win. So your bar yesterday Right. Today is a new day. Raise it. Right. And your accomplishments, not what we say, what we do, but what we achieve. If we can achieve raising our level, raising our doing more and raising that bar each day, then the outcome is we're going to get more in return. Right. The victory isn't just doing what everybody else is doing, but it's challenging ourselves. Can you do more? So each and every day, can you do your part? Can you do a little bit more? Raise your bar. <laughs> I, I, I love that because. We cannot stay stagnant. No. Tell, I'm not. I, I'm just gonna give it to you. Tell that story that you told before we started the show today about how a plane lifts off, because that's raising <laughs> that that's raising the bar, right. right? Because sometimes we try to raise that bar, and there's something pushing back, right? Right. There's adversity pushing back, right? I'm trying to move. I'm trying to make more money. I'm trying to raise that bar. I'm trying to get more education. Right, I'm trying to do all these things to better myself, but there are barriers. There are things in front of ourselves. What happens when those barriers are there? So you use the bar, the B, all right? So your belief has to be stronger than the barrier, right? And, and so when you say your dream vision, I want to do this, right? right? You have to say that's an I can moment. That can is going to say, I want to believe in this. I want to do this. The barrier is going to say you can't. So your belief has to be stronger than the barrier. The A is for the attitude. The attitude has to be stronger than the adversity. If your attitude is saying I won't, then that's the adversity. 
attitude is I will. And then R is your resilience has to be stronger than the resistance. So when we talk about that plane lifting off and being resistant, the plane is moving forward. The wind is resisting it in aerodynamics, which also gives it lift. Right. So the stronger the resistance, right, the stronger the resistance, the higher the resilience must go. Right. Because so you, you've got to push hard. You have to you push, have to push you hard. You have to push forward. Right. And so, again, maximum opportunity requires elevation, right? We have to do more. And as we do more, we're going to raise the bar, but also we're going to win. Right. And you're not competing against anybody but yourself. Man. Brother, th- this is why I like talking to this brother as, as, much as, as much as I can, you know, to think about using the metaphors, using the acronyms to really build our resiliency. You think about that, and you think about your story. You could have got out of jail and, and thought nothing about it. And, and there are people, the recidivism rate is high. There are dark places, but now we're talking about raising, raising our bar, knowing that there is going to be adversity. And you saw that as a point of adversity. But look at you now, brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you, you're talking about how we can raise our bar, how each day wake up, ask yourself that the bar was here. Where can I go the next day? Next day. Just come back from London, Paris. Man, we're we going to unpack that in one second, brother. You know, you're raising, you raising the bar real high. <laughs> right. Um, you're listening to WBOK. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. Enlightening conversation with my man, Patrick Young, about raising your bar. If you want to call in and join this conversation, please do. 504-260-9265. 504-260-9265. So what's your vision for this powerful message, man? Uh, so How do you plan to get this out there now? Because uh, people need to hear it. So first, the vision is basically we're going to move from being acceptable to exceptional. That's the level that we want to be on. Um, just the concept of that is you go to college right now, you'll be considered. You put in an application, you're accepted into the school. How you leave, right, if you're magna cum laude, mm-hmm summa cum laude or anything like that, you're exceptional based upon the work that you put in. And so we just want to go around and just identify those exceptional moments where people have started one place and raised it and encouraged other people to to do the same, like showing that what you're doing is not only creating a space for you but other people. The alchemist says when you love yourself, you strive to become better, and when you become better, everything around you becomes better as well. That, that 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 message resonates with me, brother. You know what I'm saying? That that resonates exactly. How you fulfill here and then go out and show that beacon of light. And I think that ideally, um, I think they should have a platform. I, I, you know, I, I watch TED Talks and I see that, you know, there's a lot of technical and professional and Google and, you know, stuff that I think higher level, I would call it like the pros of speaking. But then there's this um, this middle space that people are finding themselves and they want to just talk about their stories, their life, and how they can inspire and lift people up. And I just think that there needs a um, there need there is a need for a platform there, like college football, right? <laughs> <laughs> pushes people into the pros. Well, there needs to be a space that pushes people into that place of um, of them not only coming into their own, 
but also sharing themselves with everyday people. I think um, TED Talks is like $8,000 for you to attend that that informational session. And where I'm from, you don't have access to that. Right. But $8,000 to attend a TED Talk? Um, if you want to be a member. If you want to be a member of TED. Right. right. And so, so to get all that nice access. Right. And, and then if you want to do a TEDx, there's so much um, with with programming as far as uh, buying licenses and stuff like that, when basically right now you just have people that's coming home and saying, man, I need a job, but also I need a mentor. I need someone to talk to. I need to listen to some things that you're saying. And so maybe you don't want to just watch a YouTube video or just listen to someone on Facebook Live, but you want to see that person, shake their hand, you know, and just make that connection to know that someone like me exists and they made it and I can make it as well. Right. No doubt. We're going to go to Brother Sekou on line one. Brother Sekou, what's happening with you, man? Man, I'm just blown away, bro. I'm sitting up here making some prints, fooling around with a computer, listening to your show. Y'all already told you, I think you're a brilliant brother. Man, I appreciate very you, man. Thank you, man. Very good, Th- thank you. But this young brother, uh, how old is he, brother young? I'm 40 years old. He don't look it, though, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying, you went through a crucible, brother. A crucible is a period of intense oppression, repression, and challenge, right? Right. And you can feel very strong. I'll be interested. You didn't have a chance to finish. I don't think you had a chance to finish your experience. You said you were locked down for a year, and you you read a book, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, right? Right. And that's where where this uh, this dude was put in prison, you know, and he— escaped out of prison because he, he had a relationship with a priest in the next cell, and he chipped his way to the, the cell, chipped the, chipped the block out the, the wall, and he trans, he put himself in a sack and he, in a body bag, and uh, he put the priest over. In the, his, his, he did all that. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> telling the story. You know what I'm saying? And it, you, you, what, what was the effect of reading that book in, in your in your in a solitary in a isolated and solitary confinement at the time? You know, lockdown. Well, what, was that, what that do psychologically when you when you read the, read them work? And I read that book more than one time. What was the what was the impact of that book for you? So honestly, I read the book because it was one of the biggest books that right. <laughs> that they passed out, and and you wanted something to occupy your time. You only could get one book. You know, like for the week, and so I wanted something that I could really, uh, just yeah. something I could have. But it, the transformation of um, really finding your own identity, and this person had to find his greatness. But it was in his darkest moment that he found out that he was more than what people said uh, he mm-hmm. could be. And so that for me, that resonated to say that you know what, yeah, I've touched death, but I appreciate my life, mm-hmm. and and it just taught me in that place just to breathe. Mm-hmm. Just to breathe and just uh right. and just to be thankful that yes, even in even in this, right, I still matter. Right. And so right. I just, I don't want to cut you off, but I'm, I'm, other people might want to talk to you, but uh <laughs> anytime Brother Ron he gave you flower and praise and stuff, you had to be a good <laughs> Hey man, you know we only have good brothers on the show, say cool. <laughs> You know that, man. Uh, we appreciate you calling, man. Keep doing it. He said. Go ahead, brother. Sekou. All right, brother Sekou, man, we appreciate you giving us a call, man. Make sure make sure you give us a shout every week, man. Thank you for listening. You said something about the ability to breathe right. in that space. It's a very stifling, very strangling place that a book gave you that opportunity to just Breathe, breathe, and you think about that. You, 
think about the numbers that you said. What, 66 or 88 in your block? You're, or are you sleeping with, uh, in a dorm room yeah, with 88 other 80, people? You got 160 people on yeah. the block? I mean, all these different personalities? So you're always on guard, basically. You, you're never comfortable, right? You sleep uh, eyes open, one eye open, right? You sleep, you know, boots on. It's, a, you know, and it's not a, it's not an act, right? It's not pretend. It's not TV, right? You have to be aware of everything at all times. Right. So you think about that. We're out and we're out. I'm, I'm out. I've been through this experience. And we're talking about what it means for people who are formerly incarcerated now. And you think about the work that you're actually doing over at Strive. How does your message of Raise Your Bar resonate with them? How can you promote that, particularly for young men, young men of color who are coming out of jail, who may have experienced dark places before they got there, but need some light? How can you make this message of Raise Your Bar resonate with them? The first thing is um, it's a deconditioning of of what you've been conditioned or been told that you have to be, right? And, and it doesn't – it's not just in the work with Strive, but it's in the work uh, – just the daily work. Across the street, when we're playing basketball, right, you have to be able to extend, you know, love and, and compassion, right, those things that you can't show in prison. But, it, again, it's a decondition because in, in prison you're conditioned to be this machine, that just operates off of that when that number is pressed. But here you have life, and from life you can grow. And so you got to grow out of that box instead of, you know, sometimes people say, uh, think outside the box. <laughs> Thinking outside the box is is the one thing, but it's growing out of that box. Um, you have a kid, and just think if you had a, a little child and you're watching the child, and someone may put the child in a, in a big box, you know, just to play in the box. While they're in that box, they be, as they grow, they're going to tip the box over because they've outgrown the box. But then you realize you never were supposed to be in a box to begin with. And so when you meet people and you talk to them who are trapped in these mental boxes, first they have to understand they have to outgrow that way of thinking, right, to realize that they were never supposed to be there to begin with. And so whether I'm talking to someone at church, I'm talking to someone in the park or dealing with the daily work, it's all about them understanding that they are in control. How high or go, how high or how low it's on them. But it's, again, they want to maximize each and every day I'm by elevating. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain, captain of, of my soul. soul. You know, <laughs> that, that whole piece and how it resonates. Invictus, in the, in the name, the terminology of it, is just unconquered. Unconquered. Unconquered, right? And, and, and that's how you have to get out of that mindset, to raise your bar, right? To find your revolution. You have to get out of that mindset and grow. So immediately, if we are in a high jump competition, what's next? You did six feet, can you do six one? Right. Can you do six two, right? So in every competition, you're constantly forced to go higher and higher in that. All I'm asking is each day, just challenge yourself to do a little bit more. And sometimes, think about this, sometimes you've got to be innovative. Because if we're going to continue with that high jump metaphor, that image, remember, people tried to just jump over the bar. Yeah, just run and stand straight run, up. Stand straight up, right? But then you know, the Foosbury flop, Fosbury, right. Fosbury flop, was it transitioned, it transformed how people, you know, 
compete in that event. To raise your bar, some when you do raise that bar, you're gonna have to try different things. They say uh, set your dream so big, so that you have to grow into the person that can achieve it. <laughs> set your dream so big that you have to grow into the per because you can't if you don't raise the bar you can't achieve that so dream. maximum opportunity requires elevation man brother. you have to be the more you have to be the more to do more patrick man and we are the more we, because we're constantly accepting more on our plate we accepting more uh work that we have to do more responsibility we put that on our shoulders but for us to do more, we have to accept that we are the more, right? And that's going to require us to rise. It also means accepting that we are the more means that we have to love ourselves. First. We've got to love ourselves. So last question for you, Patrick. Why do men, men, especially men of color, need to hear this message so much right now? It's the identity crisis. It's, it's to identify that um, who you are, right? And we prove, we keep proving, we haven't, we keep trying to prove whether it's in our dress or whether it's in our mannerisms and our talk and our conversation. We want to prove who we are because in so many other instances we see ourselves being devalued, mm. right? Say it, say it again. Being devalued. 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 And so when we go back to place value, we're, we're placed in a lesser value. So we move beyond the decimal, not in front of it. Mm. And so when you become less in a decimal, you become less than a percentage of a man. One point. <laughs> right, right. But right. if you're on the a other tenth. Right. Right. So if you're a point, then you don't consider yourself as whole. Mm. If I'm a fraction. Right. Of, of exit, you know, I, I just want to three fifths of a man. So I want you to see me as whole. And if you don't see me just by doing a normal thing, I'm going to make you see me. Right. And so we overdo it. We overkill. We over destroy just to be seen. Right. And so and you're actually in that lowering the bar. We were act yeah, we're actually taking away your. So you're hitting the bar, and that's a fault, <laughs> right? Oh. Because when you hit the bar and you don't go over it, you accomplish nothing. nothing. And that's what we lose in our constant. Not what you say, what you do, but what you accomplish. Mm -hmm. And we're not accomplishing as much as we have the ability to do. Finding yourself, owning yourself, loving yourself, raising your bar every day. But every day. But not raising it so far. No. Right? It's it, it's incremental. Now, they don't jump from six foot to seven foot when you're competing, right? It's set six foot and one inch, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Brother Patrick, man, we appreciate you having on the show. That means that my producer, Rachel, and my good engineer, Jazz, saying it's time to go. Patrick, thank you, man. What's your, quickly, what's your social media info so people can get in touch with you? Uh, I'm at raise underscore your bar. And um, Facebook, your bar one. Uh, Twitter is raise your underscore bar. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you, everybody, for listening, all my Facebook listeners. Please subscribe to What's Your Revolution, and you can follow us uh, on Facebook Live during the show. Next week, we're talking about mindfulness with my good friend Chelsea Lloyd uh, from Project Peaceful Warrior. So if you're into the mindfulness or you need to be into the mindfulness, take a listen. I want to thank the W.K. Kellogg Foundation for all their unwavering support. 
as always, be able to answer the most provocative question of your life. What's your revolution? Have a great week, everyone.